Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. One of the, the things that, one of the privileges and difficulties that I have as a pastor is, is I do a lot of funerals. And at funerals, there's, there's always a moment where you feel the brevity of life. Like James says, it's like a vapor here for a moment and then gone. There's always a moment where you start to reprioritize things. And things that maybe you complained about or grumbled about all of a sudden don't seem so big in light of eternity, in light of the big picture. And there, there's a sense of, of sobriety at funerals. There, there's a sense of humility because we realize that we're not as much in control as we think we are. And in that moment, we're, we're, we're faced with that great reality of, of God, life is short and I'm not in control. And, and it's, it's amazing because God does something special. It, it's, it's a grievous time, yet a joyous time as we celebrate that person's life. There's pain, there's joy, and there's this combination of mourning over death, yet rejoicing because, oh, death, where is your sting? And at the very same time, God works in the hearts of people in those moments. He works in our hearts. And hopefully, I think every time that, that we depart from a time like that, there's the, the sense of entitlement kind of goes away. Like I said, humility kind of sets in, really kind of sober feeling. And I think as, as we go through life, we, we can forget how entitled, especially in our, in our culture, really how entitled we are. I think those are moments that allow us to get our eyes on the big picture, see the brevity of life, see that we're not in control. But then it's easy to go right back to life, the days ahead, even though at the loss of a loved one, you can never replace that. But, but you guys kind of catch that hard. It's easy to fall right back prey to some of the old habits and the old ways and the old perspectives. You know, I think living here in the U United States, I think sometimes we forget that even the, the, the poorest or, or the poverty level in the United States is still in the top 1% of the most wealthy in the world. We consume a lot here. We kind of have a consumer-driven culture. I don't know if you knew this, but 40% of the waste of the world comes from the U.S., because we just consume a lot. And, and there's just things that we take for granted, not just in the U.S., but I think all across the planet. Like, we're able to get into an airplane, a, a, a plane that weighs thousands of pounds, and it flies in the air. And even on that, we're sitting on the airplane, we're getting drinks served, there's some food that we're able to, to eat, some snacks, you get your little peanuts, right, or your, your, now it's pretzels. And, and there's just this, there's air conditioning, there's oxygen, you can watch a movie, and then we can find ourselves complaining, right? Like, man, the Wi-Fi is too slow. What's this, this Wi-Fi? Man, I paid eight bucks for this Wi-Fi. And just forgetting that you're in the air, thousands of feet, in, a, in an aircraft that weighs thousands of pounds, and you're having a great time. We just forget stuff like that. Like, like how, how, about, how about this? This is a serious one. We like bottled water. We don't drink faucet water a lot, right? Or we have the option to choose. When as we look out in the rest of the world, people, some, some, some areas right now, they're dying because there's no water. But none of us wake up and are like, I want to be 
entitled today. Oh, it feels so good to be entitled today. But we've just come accustomed to things that it's easy to move through life and forget the gift and the grace that we've been given. You know, I, I told you not too long ago how there would be times where I, my, my mom would take me to the Magic Kingdom, to Disneyland, and, and we'd have an incredible day, rides and sweets and just the whole ambience or ambiance of Disneyland. Some of you guys hate it. Some of you guys love it. But, but, but there's, there's this moment as you're walking out of the park, they put Main Street by the exit for a reason because there's tons of stores. And every kid is like, I want that. I want that. And, and on several occasions, and I'm sure that you have experienced this at some level, or, or maybe um, you've watched one of your you know, kids or nieces or nephews or somebody have this moment where they just had an incredible day, but they want that stuffed animal. They want the stuffy. Come on, you ever been there? You want the stuffy. Some of you guys are grown men and you want the stuffy. And, and, and there's this, this moment where my mom proceeds to, to give those magic words in the magic kingdom, no. And it's so funny how we can go from such a great day to over a little stuffy having a horrible night because I have a meltdown, because I don't get the stuffy. Forgetting I'm in the kingdom. Are you tracking with me? I wonder how many moments are ruined over proverbial stuffies. Like, come on, how many of you guys have been on a vacation and, and you get into a little argument and it ruins the whole thing? Is that not the worst? Over something so small, and then we get so arrogant, so prideful, nobody wants to budge, and we're like looking at the beach or this beautiful you know, picture, and we're just like, uh. Just the small things that pack such a huge punch. So many little foxes, little stuffies have the potential to ruin an entire day, an entire month, years. It's just amazing forgetting the bigger picture. There was a moment. I'm not a sports guy at all. Pastor James is the sports guy. You want to know the stats and the numbers? That's your guy. Uh, for me, I'm like, who's on the Raiders? Uh... And I like to act like I know. I like to kind of dress the part. I like to play sports a little bit, to play, but not to watch. But, but there was a, a moment, the, the first year that the Warriors started, like the first year they won the championship, Steph Curry's on the scene, and I just got sucked into it. And, and I would always talk about those guys that are standing in front of the TV. It's like the TV's here, and you're here, and you're just like, they're like this, this, and everybody's like, relax. You're like, so concerned of, a, you know, a guy throwing around a ball. Relax. And I just got in it this year. And there was a moment where they, they were, Jackie's pregnant. She's about to give birth to Hannah. Like she's in the final trimester. And she asked me, babe, can, can you rub my feet? And, and in my mind, I'm like, babe, the, the Warriors are losing. And so here I am. The, the TV's here. I'm here. I'm that guy. For the first time in my life, I'm just in it. I'm focused. I'm like, oh, my goodness. They're going to lose. They're, are they going to win? Just Just relax. And here my wife, a gift from God, carrying my kid. And I'm more concerned about the ball, the stuffy, than the beauty and the reality of the one that God has gifted me with. 
And I think, I think we, we get caught up in these proverbial stuffies throughout our life, and we forget that we belong to a different kingdom. We forget that we're in the kingdom of God as followers of Jesus. Now, some of you guys are like, well, kids, you know, kids, kids are immature, but I am far more mature. No, no, no. Our language just changes. Right? So, so instead of entitled, we say, well, we have the right. A little, little more dignified. Right? Instead of saying, I'm prideful, we say, no, no, I'm not prideful, I'm just passionate. It's got some passion going on on the inside of me. When it comes to control, I'm not controlling, I'm just consistent. And you're just unable to, to, to deal with that. And so, so that drops us right into the heart of our text in the book of Colossians today. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. So then, Paul writes, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Everybody say, in him. It's going to be the key theme throughout this whole message, in him. And so Paul is writing to the church of Colossae to warn them and encourage them. He's he's writing to warn them of false teachers and false ideologies and myths. And he's encouraging them to keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on the kingdom. Keep your eyes on eternity and not on the stuffy. As all these false teachings and ideologies and, 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 and people are trying to drag you and pull you astray, get your eyes fixed on the one who was above and over all things. But, but Paul wasn't encouraging them to, to just stay away from people or to stay away from the world. No, he's saying, I want you to mature in the midst of them. I want you to grow and look more and more like Jesus. And he proceeds to tell us how that looks. He continues and he says, so let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth, speaking of the scripture, in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Paul said, as you navigate in this world, I want you to be rooted in and I want you to build on the person of Jesus. He said, I I want you to be planted. I want you to be so fixed, so firm, so established, so stable, so mature that you'll know how to live in the fullness of Christ in a very empty world. And so so, so the the, the reality that Paul is trying to, to, to get us to see is that there are some marks of maturity. Now, a lot of times we think about maturity or spiritual maturity. We have a lot of different things go through our minds. Like, like maybe you think it's somebody that prays well. Like, like you ever hear those people pray, you're just like, man, and then you got to pray after them. You're like, oh. Right? Uh, Maybe, just maybe, you feel like maybe it's, if they have an Australian accent, it's a little more anointed. Right? So it's like a generation. Lord, right? It's true. I like when we, when we think about spiritual maturity, yeah, prayer is definitely a mark of maturity. Absolutely. What about people that memorize scripture? Like everywhere you walk, everywhere you turn, they got a scripture for something. Man, I'm really struggling. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Man, I really feel alone. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And you're just like, man, you got a lot of scripture. And that, that is a mark of maturity, getting the scripture. We're going to see that today being rooted in the scripture. But Paul gives another clear sign that I don't think we talk about a whole lot. I don't think we, we really consider this. I think we kind of bypass it. Paul says this. Paul says, a mark of maturity is you're overflowing with thankfulness. 
that a mark of spiritual maturity, a clear sign is that you're overflowing with thankfulness. So if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Your maturity in Christ will only be as deep as your thankfulness. And so, so I, I want you to think about spiritual maturity. Man, it's a wondrous life. It's a joy-filled life. It's a life of servanthood, a humble walk with God, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's a life of worship. It's a life of simplicity. It's a life of love, all motivated by a heart that's thankful. Because what Paul is going to help us to understand is that even as we look at the early church, we see that people's lives are overflowing with thankfulness because they've been transformed by the grace of God and the love of God, so much so that many of them, and still to this day, give up everything to follow him. As we look at the early church, they, they gave up their homes, they gave up their careers, key influential positions, wealth. They, they willfully got persecuted, joyfully going to their death. I mean, really think about that for a moment. Enduring willful, willful persecution, even death, while overflowing with thankfulness. Man, I remember hearing a story, a true story, of, of a martyr. And there was a group of people that had been captured for their faith getting ready to be burnt at the stake. I want you to think about this for a moment. They used to burn Christians at the stake just for putting their faith in Christ, for doing what we're doing right now. Let that sink in. And they were having this dialogue in the cell. The cells were always placed so you can watch the others burn because you lived in the torment. Part of the torture was you're going to be next, but you don't know when. And so one gentleman He's getting ready to, to be burnt at the stake. I, I can't remember his name. But, but there was dialogue about this reality of, is the joy still going to be on the stake? Like, will God be able to sustain us on the stake? They said, we, we have to know. They said, man, if, you are still, if God is still good and you're still overflowing with thankfulness and gratitude toward the Lord, lift up your hands while you're being burned. And so a couple of days later, tied this man in the stake, lit him on fire. So they're watching this guy, no hands raised. And finally, at the very end, when the flames are going down, everybody thinks he's dead. I mean, the most just body just barely sustaining his hands shoot up. And and I I just want to ask us this question today is, is, am I becoming more grateful or more of a grumbler? Can I just tell you that grumbling closes doors? Gratitude opens them. And and that's the question today. Am I becoming more grateful or am I becoming more of a a grumbler? Think about the words that have been flowing from your mouth. If you're not really sure, ask somebody that loves you that's close to you. Say, hey, how's my mouth been? And if you get one of these like, well, you know, uh, you know it's not, not been the greatest. Tell me what you mean by that. Um you know it's probably not the greatest. And both Luke and Matthew, they tell us this beautiful mystery that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, if thanksgiving is not flowing from our mouth, it's probably because there's entitlement in our heart. We've got our eyes on the stuffy, and we've lost sight of the kingdom. And this is so important because this, this heart of thanksgiving moves the heart of God. So much so, 
Psalm chapter 50, verse 14 says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Just let that sink in for a moment. Let thankfulness be your sacrifice to God. And keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. And so my point is just saying that there's something about Thanksgiving that moves the heart of God. It's the one sacrifice that, that really, that God delights in. God just doesn't want a sacrifice. He wants an obedient heart that's grateful, full of thanksgiving. He, he loves a joyful giver. And so there's something about that type of heart that, that just, it pleases God. It moves the heart of God. But the question is, is how do we develop a heart of gratitude and thankfulness? And can I just tell you, I'm not going to solve that in the next 21 minutes. I'm just not. But, but I'm hoping that I can give you some things to consider as we process with the Holy Spirit throughout the week, as, as we're honest with ourselves and we say, Lord, I, I really want you to cultivate this, this reality in my heart and in my life. And I believe it starts with this, is that thankfulness comes when there's contentment with God. When, when God is enough, when God is my source. Right When my life is, is rooted and built up in him, rooted in him, built on him, trusting him. And that's what Paul is trying to get across to the, to the Colossian church, that Jesus, guys, is the architect over all things. He's the creator of all things. He's supreme over all things. He is the sustainer of all things. He is the savior over all. And something happens when you and I live a life of surrender, relying on him, rooted in him. Something happens in that place that's a mystery. There's a secret that takes place when we're surrendered to him, relying on him, and rooted in him. Paul said, man, there's a mystery that happens. But then it's not really a mystery because Paul is about to let us know what it is. Right? Paul said, I I've learned to be content. Philippians chapter 4. Uh, Hit my slide, hit my slide. Philippians chapter four. There we go, verse 12 and 13. This is probably one of the most taken out of passages. Uh, this is probably one of the scriptures that's taken the most out of context all the time. Um, Paul's not talking about baseball or like you can do all things. But the principle stands, so the principle's cool. But, but the context, Paul is gonna let us know. He says, I know what it's like to be in need and I know what to do when I have plenty. I have learned, everybody say Learned. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance. Think about that. That is a huge statement. In any and every circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So we have in him, built on him, and now life through him. What Paul is saying is he is my life. This word through, it means to walk with, it means to be with, it means to abide in, to make our home in. It's the same notion. Paul is saying, I'm rooted in him, I'm built on him, I live my life through him. That is it. And in this place, there is a secret. I'm rooted in the truth of God's word, and as a result, I'm seeing things from a different perspective. This word learned, it means to initiate, it means to instruct, it means I am disciplined toward I've learned, and this secret has impacted my choices because I live with this beautiful reality that Christ infuses strength to sustain in any and all circumstances until 
there is some provision. That it's his power, it's his strength working in me and through me. Knowing that if the provision is not there, there's power to sustain. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Paul's like, man, it's, it's about him. See, contentment with God will allow you to be thankful in life. If you're content in any and every circumstance, how many of you guys know you're going to have a, a little bit more of a grateful heart no matter what? Yesterday, I found this guy caught in my trampoline net. And this poor guy, I, I looked at him at first, I'm like, what is that noise? His wings are going 1,000 miles an hour. I've never seen wings go this fast in my entire life, right? So I get up to him, I'm like, bro, you're stuck. And then, then you get close, and you're like, man, I don't want to touch that thing. That thing looks weird. <laughs> and you, you might not be able to see this, but he's wounded. He's bleeding. Oh, yeah, he's bleeding right there. And so I'm, I'm looking at him, and he's just mm, he's trying to get through. His wings go faster than I think any other wings on the planet can't get through. And for me, it's a simple, it's, it's very simple. I'm like, okay, I'm going to touch this thing. And, and for me, just, just a moment, just grabbed him by the head and popped him out. Took off. Because I have access and authority and a power that he desperately needs and is unable to accomplish on his own. And that's what Paul is saying. To live a life of gratitude and thanksgiving and contentment, to be content with God in any and all circumstances, it requires that we are rooted in him, built on him, living life through him. And so, so it, it gets better. He goes on in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Admonish, it means to basically to rebuke or to correct. It doesn't mean to encourage, just in case you thought that. Um, but with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs. I thought that was kind of cool. It's like, I'm going to rebuke you in Psalms. You shouldn't go there, right? Um, he says, from the Spirit. Just want to make sure you're still awake. From the Spirit. And now th this wording here is the same wording of being filled, empowered with the Spirit of God, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Here we go again. Through him. Paul's like, don't get it twisted. It's only possible through him. And then the writer of Hebrews, I think it's Paul because the language is so similar, right? The, Hebrews 13, 15, through him then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And so just get this picture, just a few passages we just looked at, to acknowledge God, to give him praise, to sing songs with the reliance on the Holy Spirit to teach one another, to even reprimand one another in, in gentleness, right? By the power of the Holy Spirit, dwelling in the word of God, living life in him, through him, building our life on him. Paul said there's a secret in that place. There's a strength in that place. There's a contentment with God that will allow you to be thankful in life, no matter what the circumstance is. And so, so sometimes we think contentment means complacent, and it it couldn't be farther from the truth. Like, contentment with God isn't like, hey, how you doing? Just content. Just living my life super content. Like, we just take a step back. I would say the opposite thing. Contentment, when you're living your life in him, built on him, living life through him, it's going to make you more bold and active. 
Because you know your limitations and you know he's limitless and you know that you have greater access and his ability far exceeds yours, it's going to give you far more boldness. It's going to make you way more active. When I went to Israel, we had the best guide. This guy was in the military. He's an archaeologist and he just has access. He has authority and he has a power that if I land in Israel today, we would not be able to go where he took us because I don't have that access. But with him, an amazing trip. Like some people think, like, oh, it would be cool just to land in Israel and just kind of do your own thing and go everywhere. No, no, no. When you're with a legit guide that can get you places you can never get on your own, oh, it's so worth it. And so this place right here, I can't even tell you where I was. That's how top secret it was. <laughs> like we went into an excavation site. And all we had to do was listen and be obedient to what he said. And can I just tell you, I wasn't like, oh, man, I got to listen and be obedient. I'm like, no, I'm about to, you're about to reveal a mystery, a secret. Like, I'm, like we're going to discover something. Can I just tell you, life with God is an adventure. And so if you think a life of obedience is a life of disappointment, you, you've, you, you got a, a distorted picture of God. And so, so we, we're walking through. He says, all right, guys, turn off your phones and your cameras. Don't take any footage. We're like, this is deep. <laughs> and so we're going through these underground tunnels, all this gets to this location. I wish I could tell you, but I can't tell you where I was. But if I did tell you, you'd be like, what? Some of you guys would be like, what? Uh, others of you would be like, oh, my God. What? Why? Because he has an authority, a power, and access that I don't have. And Paul is saying, when you do life with the Lord and partner with the Holy Spirit, living your life in him, built on him, living life through him, there's access, there's power, there's ability that supersedes what you could do on your own. That's why it's so important that we know him. Because thankfulness can only overflow when God's character shapes our perspective. There was this guy by the name of Phil Hansen. He was an artist, and he gravitated toward this particular art called pointillism. It's basically you create portraits with dots. And so on the journey, he, he just fell in love with this style of art, and he noticed that his hand, something was wrong with it. It started to shake. So he went to the doctor, found out he had nerve damage, and that he would never be able to do this type of art again. So highly discouraged, he just said, man, I, it is what it is. I just quit. And, and one of his teachers said, hey, what if you just embrace the shake? Like, what if you just embrace it and just, like, see what would happen? And, and he loved pointillism so much, but whenever he would try to draw a dot, it would be like a line. But, but what he realized is that if he was, was painting on a huge canvas, the little squiggly lines still look like a dot. And so all of a sudden he started to see, well, if I just make it bigger, I can still apply the same principle, yet it'll be my unique, unique style of art because, you know, it's not going to be a dot. It's going to be a squiggly line. And, and all of a sudden now masterpieces are being created. A whole new style of art is formed because he embraced the shake. In fact, he painted the Mona Lisa with hamburger grease. This is a Mona Lisa painted with hamburger grease and squiggly lines. You see, thankfulness is not based on how good your circumstances, how good your circumstance is. Thankfulness is not based on how good your circumstance is, but rather how good you perceive it to be. And, and the difficult part is this, is that a lot of our perspectives are skewed and distorted. Our perspective of God, 
our perspective of life because we've been through some pain. We've been through some hurt. We've been through some difficulty. It's hard to trust. And so a lot of our perspective has been skewed. And the difficult part is this. We need to make sure that we really know him and let God's character shape our perspective because look, what the call, look at the call that God calls us to. Paul says, verse 5, 16 and 18, rejoice always, pray continually. How are you guys doing? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you. And here it goes again, in Christ Jesus. So, so get this, this picture. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. Like, how in the world can I give thanks in all circumstances? Now, remember, when, when Paul first started his ministry, you know what Jesus told him? Hey, bro, you're going to suffer for my name. Welcome to the family. And Paul did. Paul got it harder than, I mean, Paul was brutalized, left for dead several times, whipped, flogged, shipwrecked. I mean, his life was full imprisonment of un fortunate circumstances. Like you would look at Paul's life and be like, God is with you. Look at all that you go through. And see, many times what happens is our life, our life is, is compartmentalized between a set of two circumstances. Like if things are going well, man, we feel, we feel the wind to our back, pull into Costco, Lord, give me a parking spot. Boom. Nailed it. Right. Maybe somebody at your job, you can't stand, trips and falls, they're out on leave. You're like, Shh. praise, that's, that's a joke. I just want to make sure you guys are still Christian. But, but, but it, it's the truth. You know how it feels when the wind is to your back. It feels like God is answering all your prayers. You sense his presence. There's, there's just this sense of momentum. God is working and uh, my faith is growing. I, I'm just in a great season. And then a week later, you could be over here. You're like, oh, Lord, where'd you go? What happened? How could you let this? Where are you? And it's amazing how polarizing. Like, like sometimes our walk with God is like politics, right? It's just, it's just getting tossed by two sets of circumstances. And, and many times what, what happens is, is in these sides, man, there's, there's some events we want to treasure. And here there's some events we want to get rid of. There's some people that we treasure, some people we want to get rid of, right? We're just, and we're just back and forth, shaking. And how is it possible to embrace the shake and be thankful in the midst of over here? I would propose the reason why we struggle so much is we try to see God's character through our circumstance. We're like, man, God, I'm trying to see you. It's dark and it's hard. I don't feel you working. I don't sense your presence. I feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. Pastor Matt's messages aren't landing. I don't know what's wrong. And at that moment, we just, we get stuck. Opposed to seeing God's, seeing our circumstances through his character. This is why it's so important that we know him. So many people are, so many believers are tossed back and forth. Sir, good, bad, good, bad. No contentment, no thankfulness. Joy is based on the circumstance. Why? Because we don't know him. 
And that's why Paul said, your life rooted in him, built on him, life through him. When he is your everything, you're going to experience the secret. That great mystery. Like you remember John chapter 11? There's two sisters. They have a brother by the name of Lazarus. He's sick. They send word to Jesus. Our brother is sick. The one you love, Jesus, we know you can do something. So the, the, the messenger comes back. Jesus, or they send a messenger, a messenger. Um, Jesus speaks to him and says, hey, it's not going to end in death. Go tell him it's going to be all right. So he comes back. By the time the messenger gets back, Lazarus is dead. They say, hey, good news. Jesus said he's going to live. They're like, what do you mean? He died. And so all of a sudden in this moment, they're conflicted by what they're seeing and what Jesus is saying. And now they're trying to see him through their circumstance. So this is what you say, but my brother is dead. And so when Jesus comes, he weeps with them. And then they have this moment where they said, hey, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And what does Jesus do? He replies by getting their eyes off of the circumstance and onto himself. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, he, even though he, he dies, he will live. And he who believes, even though he lives, he will never die. What he did is he said, no, no, you're trying to see me through death. When really you need to put my character out in front of that and realize that I am the life. And have the power and the ability to overcome that which is impossible to you. How many times do we try to process God's character through our circumstance rather than the other way around? we got to let God's character shape our perspective. Well, God, I don't feel you, but I know what your word says. Lord, you're good, and you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Well, I can't feel you. I'm not moved by my feelings, but I, the life that I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? And so, so we, we're rooted in the word that, that completely describes who he is. Paul is saying to the Colossians, he's supreme. He's creator. He's ultimate of all things. Get your eyes off the stuffy and get your eyes on the king. Get your eyes on the kingdom. It's way bigger than you think. Your filter is skewed. you got to start to process your circumstances through the character of God, not the other way around. Last point. Thankfulness comes when we realize that everything good is from him. It's so easy to forget this. And then James humbly reminds us. right? Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. Aren't you grateful God doesn't change? We're not like, sure, are you for me? You're not for me? You're with me? You're not with me? But see, thankfulness begins where entitlement ends. I love how Ronald Rollheiser in his book, Shattered Lantern, how he describes, he said the original sin of Adam and Eve is the prototype of all sin that leads to idolatry is presented as failure to be receptive and grateful. What a, what a beautiful description. The original sin of Adam and Eve, the prototype of all sin that leads to idolatry, is presented as failure to be receptive and grateful. You think about Adam and Eve, I mean, they're, they're in paradise. They have everything. God says, I've given you all of this for your enjoyment. Man, enjoy. See that one tree? You don't need it. We talked about that a few weeks ago. You don't need that tree. I've given you everything you need to be content. I've given you everything you need. Like, like you got me. Like, we're, you're, you're solid. You don't need that tree. You're living in my kingdom. And then Satan comes and says, oh, no, you, you, need, you desperately need that tree. Matter of fact, you deserve that tree. Gets their eyes off of the kingdom onto the stuffy. And you know, the moment that they ate that fruit, life ceased 
to be a gift as they took what they felt like they deserved to be like God. God says, I've given you all of this, but you're focused on this one thing in light of everything. You've lost sight of me. There's no gratitude. There's no thankfulness. And isn't that where sin originates? I mean, think about lust. Lust is simply thoughts that you feel entitled to that you've never given permission to think. Unforgiveness. We just feel entitled to the need that I don't need to forgive you. Nope. Pride. Oh my goodness, pride. No, I'm entitled to my opinion. Facts. In Luke chapter 17, let me just close with this. We, we see this picture. There, there's 10 lepers. One of them is a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans didn't get, get along at all. And, and they're, they're crying out. I mean, imagine as a leper, everywhere you go, you got you to gotta yell out, hey, guys, unclean. It's like stepping into Costco with no mask three months ago. Right? You're just, you're going to be that one that everybody's like, unclean. And imagine a leper, they got wounds. That wasn't like, we're not trying to take shots. I'm just saying that was the fact. If you like, that would be reality for you. You just were like, oh, no, get away. And so you could imagine a leper, like face looking distorted, sores on the skin. So they just have to walk around unclean, coming through unclean. And so Jesus heals these lepers. He says, go show yourself to the priests. And on their way to show themselves, they were healed. So just imagine they're going or they're limping. And, and on, the, on the journey, they're like, oh, my goodness, like the pain is going away. Like my, like my, I feel like my face being put back together. Like this, my skin is healing up. And so, so nine of them, they go show themselves to the priest, and then they're off to live their life. What, what, a, great, what a great picture. Except that the Samaritan, as he's running, and he sees that he's being healed and all the stuff, he has this moment where he's like, Like, I'm a Samaritan, and you're a Jewish rabbi, as they would have maybe looked at him in that day. And I'm healed. He's like, I I, got to stop, and I got to go back. I know that there's a full life ahead of me. I've waited so long to live. But I got to go back. And this is what it says. It says that when one of them saw that he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. Can I just tell you, gratitude not expressed is not gratitude. You can feel it in your heart, but no one's going to know it. Like, oh, I just feel so so thankful. Right? And so he comes back and he praises God in a loud voice. When When I say, come on, let's give God some praise, that's not cliche. I'm trying to get our hearts to say, man, are you grateful this morning? And so he fell face down at Jesus' feet. What did he do? In thanksgiving to him. He was a Samaritan. And he, Jesus said, we're not all ten cleansed, Jesus asked. Where are the other nine? Was none found except this foreigner to return and give glory to God? Then Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This, this your faith has made you well, is not simply speaking about his body. He's already been healed. The wording here is unto salvation. So now not only is his body healed, but now his soul is restored. 
And I thought about this. All those other guys, they're out living their life. But this heart of gratitude opened up a door that none of them got to experience. I wonder how many doors are shut because of a lack of gratitude and thanksgiving unto the Lord. I wonder how many were like, hey, thanks, God. Woo! And how much more God is like, oh, yo, you think that's good? There's so much more. But you got to come back to me. You got to realize the source. Life in him. Rooted in him. Built on him. Life through him. I wonder how many marriages doors would open if gratitude would enter back in. Glory to God and thanksgiving for the gift that he's given us. I wonder how many cultures, uh, the, the culture of our homes would shift if a spirit of thanksgiving, giving glory to God and, and just, just, I mean, when's the last time that you just said thank you to your barista? Hey, thanks for waking me up on Monday. So grateful. No, like really I'm grateful. And last time we, we ate a good burrito, did you just pray really quickly to get through so you can eat, get on with your life? Or did you stop and just savor the moment like, God, you created the cow and the lettuce and the vegetation, right? And just give glory to God. Like we get to experience life in a way that the world doesn't get to. The world just gets the burrito. We get God and all of his majesty. And so I, I just want to encourage you today that there may be some doors shut because you're not stopping and allowing God to cultivate a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. And on the flip side, there's some doors that God wants to open when we start to realize you're our source. I need to pause and give you some praise. Father, I pray that you would cultivate this heart on the inside of us and we would never be the same. Lord, we want to be marked by maturity. We want to overflow with thankfulness in any and every circumstance, God. We know that it starts with contentment with you, that you got to be everything, that your character needs to shape our perspective, and that, God, that we would just realize that every good and perfect gift comes from you, and that we can rejoice in all circumstances, give thanks in all, whether I have a lot or I have little. Oh, I've learned the secret of being content that I can do all things in him, on him, and through him, Christ Jesus, that gives me the strength. So listen, maybe today you need to give your heart to Jesus today. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to him. Maybe you're running, you've just been running, and things aren't necessarily bad, but, you, but you've just kind of, you, you forgot the source. I just come back home today and just, just stop and acknowledge him again. Thank you, God. Maybe some of you have never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're online and you're like, man. Maybe you're feeling convicted right now because you're a grumbler. Can I just tell you, listen to me. Doors were closed. Doors were opened because of a heart of gratitude. And doors were closed because of grumbling. The Israelites never made it into the land because they had a heart of unbelief and they grumbled. You can't grumble your way to the promised land, I heard it said. Oh, but that spirit of faith and gratitude and thanksgiving that trusts God takes him at his word and says, let's go. God says the door is wide open. So many doors are open. 
So maybe, maybe today you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you've been in church for a long time, but you need to surrender today. If you're online, we, please call that number right now. Just pick up your phone, call that number. If you don't have a phone, just say, Lord Jesus. And we can all pray this together. Just say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender. Forgive me for all my sin. I need you. I don't want to be an infant. I want to be mature. I want my life to be lived in you, rooted in you, built on you, life through you. Lord, like that firefly, dragonfly, my wings are going, but I'm not moving. I need you to change my life, shape my heart, forgive me, restore me, heal me, that I would declare your praise and be grateful, both in this life and the next, in the good and in the bad, you are still faithful. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, listen, let's give God some praise. We stand to your feet. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.